Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. Stoked today. This is the 100th episode of the show. And come on and celebrate with us. Brought Mike Pedigo into the studio. What's up, Mike? Hey, guys. Stoked to be here. This is an honor to be on the 100th. You. All right. Uh, before we get kicked off, uh, a couple notes. Huge thanks to everybody who's been hooking it up. So Big Wins just sent over a tow rope and a waist leash and i'm not sold on the waist waist leash downwind i love it on the wing took a little bit of getting used to but downwind i i I broke part of it today i used i think the wrong leash on it but um we'll talk about that a little bit in the show big thanks to hand paddle company who's sending out some paddles to test can't wait to do that with the guys in australia you're doing right now looks insane zane james um that would be amazing to, to dial that in and i think it's possible um unifoil the project is going splendidly well and the first production foils for us to test to make sure that they're great um are supposed to come next week and so i'm beyond frothy on that and we're working on a couple other sizes right now i was actually on one of them today downwinding and that's going really well so super super stoked on that um and with that let's jump in what's going on mike Stoked to be here. Just had an epic downwind send. Yep. Been diving deep into the wind aspects of this sport lately. Um, yeah, we just had a super fun, uh, what was that, five? Five. Five, yeah. Yeah. Some really fun surfy moments, some great, I've been calling it sequences when you can piece things together and have fun parts of the run. Sometimes it's a little bit of work, and then there's sequences where it gets super fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're crushing the downwind lately. Like, you've just gone next level, which is a little bit, a little bit frustrating sometimes, <laughs> but you're, but I gotta, I gotta put it in context. You're a lot younger than me. So <laughs> a lot. I, how, I don't actually, what, what is our age gap? I don't really know. I don't know. I'm 43. I'm 36. Are you? Yeah. All right. Damn. Yeah. It's not as much as I wanted. That's what I was thinking. That's not that big. It's not that big. I don't know if that's big enough to, to like put a big claim on. I don't know. <laughs> actually, I feel like my cardio is getting back to normal now. That COVID messed yeah, me up messed for me a little while. Same here. Um, for sure. Yeah. First couple of sessions post COVID, it's like a reality check. Like, oh man, like I got, got, got some work to do to get back. Yep. Yeah. I'm starting to trust it again. Mm-hmm. I think your friend, you had a buddy who had COVID. I did. And while I have COVID, you tell me the story. I know. I know. I probably should have. I shouldn't laugh. It's <laughs> yeah. super sad. Uh-huh. I, well, I met, it, I'm laughing because I messed you up with the story. You fuck, yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, un- unfortunately, there's a guy uh, I used to work with at the fire department. He was in his 50s. And um, he got COVID and um, was having a hard time recovering afterwards. And he kept pushing it, doing the things that he was normally doing, mountain biking and stuff, and was super short of breath, was getting ready to, like, go back to the doctor and be like, hey, guys, like, what's going on? And he just went into cardiac arrest on a mountain bike ride one day, and that was it. That's so... Yeah, and it was kind of a reality check for everybody. And like, oh, my God, like we got to, you know, you don't, you don't really know how your body's going to respond until you get it and feel it out. And I think... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, like post COVID, I'm I'm gonna be cautious. Like I'll probably I'm sure I'll get it again at some point, and I'll be mindful on how hard I push it immediately after COVID, especially after seeing that yep. how that went down. Super sad. After that story, and then my neighbor here is a sports cardiologist, and I was talking to him about it a little bit, and he was saying you want to come back slow. Yeah. And so I have been respectful of when I hit those moments of working really hard and. You know, six months ago, I'd have just pushed through and you start seeing stars a little bit. I don't let myself get quite there yet. Yeah. Um, although I'm feeling pretty comfortable. I'm, I'm like almost two months out from it now. And so I'm starting to feel like, all right. It takes some discipline, though, because, I mean, if you post COVID, you're like, oh, I'm ready to hop back on the downwinders. And then yep. you hop back on a downwind and you don't want to come off foil. So now you're pushing it, even yep. though you planned on not. It's it's going to take some discipline for guys yep. to to be cautious on that for but sure just be respectful i mean we push ourselves really hard in the ocean i'm sure most of you guys listening do as well and um 
yeah, be respectful if if you've had COVID coming back, especially if you're not feeling it right away. Or um, yeah, don't don't, that was hard the, don't hit the red line post COVID. Yeah, give it give it a little time. So you did an 11 mile send, which I think is. Finch is claiming that he's got it at right around the same mark. I, you know, I feel Watch like we, malfunctioned. We touched on this last time. If I know. Not, if it's not on paper somewhere, I don't know how you And yours it. is. <clears throat> I got it on the watch. I did, um, it was 11.9 um, in, in one go on a shore runner. And that's my, that's my personal record. I know guys, there's plenty of guys out there that have been on foil for like way, way longer than that. I can't remember the time. Um, I think you said it was like 50 minutes. Yeah, it was close, it was close to an hour yeah. straight. <clears throat> um. The problem was I, I I flew right past my get out spot, so <laughs> I had um, I had my wife, God bless her, drop me off at the St Augustine Pier, and I started heading south. It was great conditions. I knew it was like it was one of those PR days. You're like looking at it, and you're like, oh, this is going to be a super easy send, and it was. And I was in the zone, and I looked up, and I'm like, oh my god, I just passed the condo I was supposed to get out at, and oh my god, I'm in an inlet now, like. I was in the Matanzas Inlet, and it was like past the point of no return. I was leashless. I'm in the middle of the inlet, which has an outgoing tide at the at that time, and I'm like, I cannot fall right now. Like I have to continue this send, you know. And luckily, I never came off foil and ended up just shy of 12, which I was stoked about. Um, but yeah, that was that was a, a really fun run. I felt like I could have gone much further. Um, going further than that, there's like rocks and not as easy takeouts, so. Yeah. Yeah. Plus it was like right in the middle of dinner time and Abby was, yeah. Was How, how's that beach down there look now? <clears throat> after, Very different. Uh, Nicole. Yeah. I mean, Nicole really messed up a lot of St. Augustine. Almost all of our accesses are jacked up unless it's a beach ramp that's meant to be able to drive a vehicle onto all of the like wooden boardwalks are just like a boardwalk out to a straight drop. And yep. it's like a 10 foot drop. It's not just like a, someone you could just kind of make work these are all they're every single one of them is messed up right now which is a huge bummer you can't drive on the beach in most of the most places that you can because there's so much debris which really affects my downwinders <laughs> selfishly <laughs> i feel horrible saying that because there's a lot of other people that have to deal with flooding and stuff unfortunately so that was very very um unheartfelt for me but um yeah it, our, our beaches have changed a lot our sandbars have changed some for the better some for the worst but yeah, mostly we're having access problems. Yeah. Actually, I think Ian ruined our bars. Nicole brought him back a little bit, I want to say. It's a little bit shallower now than it was before. Albeit, the paddle out now is just so long. <laughs> when yeah. you're prone, you're like, halfway out, you're like, oh man, still paddling. But that, that's good though, too, because the trough right now seems to carry a lot of energy. I don't know what the bathymetry is under there, but where before it just seemed like there wasn't a lot of energy from the section of the outside bar to the inside bar. It's now keeping a pretty steep face. So it's probably not very deep. Right. That's what I was thinking. And, and a lot of energy through it won't break, but it's, oh, you can uh, carve, it's really fun. Carves all yeah. the way through the snowboard carves all the way yep. through the trough. Yeah. Which is epic. Um, so let's start with foils. You've been, you're now in a very good spot yeah, where um, you're getting to test foils, which uh, is yeah, amazing. Super fun for me. Super fun for me. Right now, <clears throat> right now, I've been mostly spending time on the Cabrina foils. I'm still riding the Takuma stuff like the downwinder today. I was on the 1440. Um, but for prone surf foiling, I'm loving the Cabrina stuff right now. Mm -hmm. Mostly been on the 1000, spent some time on the 800, still kind of trying to dial in the 800, not not quite feeling some of the magic I've heard people say about the 800 just yet, but I, I, I haven't spent a ton of time on it. I need to spend some more time tuning it. I love that foil. I know. Yeah. So I got to get to that. I, I, I'm sure like, I'm just, you know, for, it, it's weird for me. It almost feels like it needs a base plate shim when the thousand doesn't, which is strange, but the thousand though was like love at first ride. And um, yeah, that to me, that foil feels it like, a really buttery foil it rolls super easy it's very predictable you know like comparing to the 1095 it's not as fast it doesn't pump as well as the 1095 but i genuinely like the way it surfs better because i can predict what it's going to do more and that that means a lot to me i'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of pump and glide for that predictability on roll yeah so i love the 1000 i spent a lot of time when i spent a lot of time on the cabrinas it was before i got their new mast Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I do have the new mask. And 
that makes it a lot better. Yeah. And I think that what I didn't like about the 1000 at the time was I felt it lacked in the pump, especially compared to the 1095. And that has been solved a good bit. Mast drag is just... Mm -hmm. This it, is a thin mast. The new mast is thin. The foil yep. section's different. Yep. It's flexy, but oddly enough, like when you feel this mast, especially like torsionally, like this, the uh, sideway, um, the twist, the twist style flex, yep. it, it's noticeably more flexy than other masts, but it hasn't actually bothered me as much as I thought it would. And maybe it's just because I'm only riding an 800 and a 1000. Maybe if I put like something like a 1440 on there, I would be like, oh my God, this is yep. way too flexy. But yeah, that, I thought that was interesting. It doesn't, it's not affecting me as bad as I had thought it would. Um, you look super good on those foils. I like how the Cabrina foils feel very balanced through speed ranges. Yes, that's that's one thing I was gonna say. Yep. They're um, they're less pitchy to me than um, my Takuma gear. Yep. So and that's great. That's one less thing I have to think about um, subconsciously worry about. I'm just I just lean and it it comes like I don't. Yeah. Speaking of pitchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, t I took out a. Um, <laughs> This, the 210 that we're working on right now, which I love, but I wanted to try a different tuning. And my thought was maybe with a shorter fuse, um, I would be able to pop up a little bit quicker because it was pretty meager today. The bumps were were pretty small and, and the chips weren't great, but the, the angle was good and, and there was a lot of, it was fun once we were up on foil, but I thought, you know, maybe I'll try a little different tuning. And I rode the KD13R, which is one of my favorite tails in the surf on a short fuse and it might be the pitchiest setup that I have ridden. Normally I'm on a, a tail that isn't out yet that Takuma or that um, Cliffy designed, Unifoil designed, that is super balanced on that setup. And I really never even think about being pitchy. And my goodness, my first two pop-ups, I uh, connected into sets and breached right. I mean, overcorrected from the pitchiness and, and breached because I was on the shorter mass too, which it is easier to pop up on shorter masts. That's one of the things that I wish wasn't true because I love being on long masts on downwind, but it is definitely easier to get up on shorter masts and with it being kind of weird today. I thought I'd, I'd try that. It works. But man, that pitchiness was like yeah. my back calf was cramping within about four minutes of flight from how much maintenance was required. I, I never see you pitchy when we're surf foiling. So like it was pretty entertaining to see to see Eric dealing with so much pitchiness today. It's always entertaining with you lately because you're always testing something. So it's like I never know I never know what I'm getting into as a partner of the of the downwind experience because you're like, oh I'm gonna try this brand new tail today I've never tried before. Or, oh, I'm gonna try this new shim setup or whatever. And it's like, all right, here we go. Let's see what <laughs> let's see what's gonna happen. The worst was right there around my birthday. Yeah. That was uh Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let me let me take let me take the reins on this one real quick, Eric. So I almost quit foiling. <laughs> I... <laughs> All right, guys, listen to this one. So so we had just finished a couple downwind boards where we've been playing with, and we're we're doing our first run on it. We're both super stoked. We go out. Um, I chip up like pretty quick. Like there was decent bumps that day. They weren't great, but I chip up pretty quick, and I'm like cruising along, loving life. I look back. Eric's still back there. I'm like, what's going on? Usually, he's, you know, we're like right in the mix. I see him chip up, and he's he's up on foil for what I don't know, five six seconds. Yep. It's over. It's over. And this this day, I actually did a 20 mile run this day. Um, that was not one one. Tell that story but too after. Yeah, this yeah. One. Well, I'll I'll dive into that one a little bit after because I learned a lot on that one. But um, I had my car in a different spot, so I wasn't super like overly worried about Eric. Um. It was this day where Mike comes up and he's just dead set. Didn't matter what the conditions were and they were not good. It was nuking. There was, the angle was terrible. The, yeah. The wind direction wasn't right. Yeah. And uh, Mike's was, like, I'm doing 20 miles. And I'm I was like, dealing Brian with and it. I were like, no, we're, we're not doing 20 miles. I was miles dealing with, with uh, I was dealing with what I'm calling a God complex. Cause I had an incredible run the night before downwind and um, where everything was just like, I was seeing the matrix. I felt like I was seeing the past, the future and the present all at the same yep. time, like everything. And I was like, I could go as long as I want. So that was the mindset I went into this on. So anyways, um, eventually I make it through my 20 miler. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And uh, I, Eric's like, I made it half a mile and I was like, what? Like, <laughs> what? like something is way, way wrong. Like this is not normal. 
And, uh, <laughs> and and you didn't even see what was going on out in the water. I mean, I almost broke my no. paddle. <laughs> yeah, apparently he was having a full-on, like, two-year-old tantrum or something. I would get up, and just there was an angle wrong. Something was wrong, and I because it was a new board, I just didn't know what it yeah, was. Yeah, was like, I hate this board. I yep. like this, this. It's awful, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm kind of bummed because I'm stoked on my board. I'm feeling bad for him. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's weird. Like, normally he's right there with me. And I think, like... Didn't a, a day or two go by? Like you didn't the next figure day. that out right away. No, yeah. it was the next day. The so, next day was my birthday. I'm like, all right, redemption session. So he put on my favorite. He's tail. sweating it. He's doubting like his whole life existence yep. because this was an awful run. Wants to just never downwind anymore. Goes to put his gear on. No, no, no. So I did another run. So this is like, wake up on my birthday. I'm like, all right, um, this is. The you did conditions. two runs like this. Yes, oh, I did two even better, runs even like better. This. So, so I go out <laughs> yeah. there. Same thing happens. Like I get a chip like immediately. I'm up on foil like right away. Within about 20 feet, I just cannot manage what was happening underneath my feet. I'm off foil. Right. Did that like three or four more times. This next one, I only made it like I don't know, another half mile. And I'm calling Sarah. I'm just come pick me up. Like I was throwing the paddle. Yeah, it was it was bad. It, yeah, I was so <laughs> upset. I was like, I'm not downwinding for the longest period of time. So then, I just put it away. I'm like, I'm not even going to deal with this thing. And I was going to wing or something a couple days later, and I take the setup off, and then that's when I called you. So Eric calls me, and he is ecstatic. He's so excited, like he's just been given this new lifeblood. And he's like, you're not going to believe what happened. And he's telling me, you know, we're talking about the horrible shockers he had. And he's like, I had my mast on backwards for both of those sessions. And I was like, oh, my God, like you of all people, like, you know, like that's that was like the the kicker for me. It was like, who who did it? You know, some other people I could maybe expect that from. Like, you're like one of the last people I would expect to put your mast on backwards. So a couple things. The mask that it was is just all black. No logos. You know, That's you true. have to I'll feel give you it. that one. I'll okay. give you that one. Yeah. Um, and with the new board and testing other stuff, I was so focused on it being the board that I never even thought about yep. the mast. Never even looked <laughs> at it. I was cranking the bolts down like super tight. Oh, man. Oh, I, was, I was happy for you. When I was you happy called too. me because I was like, I thought I lost my downwind partner. I, you, know, you almost did. Dude. I was like, I was like, man, I, I guess I'm going to have to find somebody else. Nope. He hates it. He hates, he hates the it. board. He hates downwind. He never wants to do it again. Yep. Meanwhile, I had just done a 20-mile run. I'm stoked. Yep. You know, like, so, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty funny. It's so, amazing how much of a so difference that So now we can all makes. give Eric crap for that. It was like, <laughs> energy, as soon as I hit speed, it would create a vent, and it yeah. would stall the foil is what I figured out. So I could get up. As soon as I get up, as soon as I would get into a wave and got, like, I don't know, what, 13, 14 miles an hour, as soon as I hit that mark, it was instant vent. Yeah. And, and, you know, complete loss. Even of if list. you were going straight. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's how it felt anyways. I mean, I didn't yeah. have a camera down there, but right. as soon as I hit speed, the foil just dropped out on me. Yeah. It goes to show you how crucial these foil sections are and how crucial mass foil sections are in general. You can't just throw any foil section on there and expect it to no. perform. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that the, the foil industry in general is starting to, to, uh, take mass more seriously and appreciate the nuances of foil sections and masks because I'm seeing a lot of development in the mask realm. Yep. And I'm super and it's great. grateful for No Limits, Kyle at Sadris, for pushing that area of innovation. For sure. Because the brands have heard that. Yeah. And I know that that was a huge thing that yeah. Uni has jumped on now with the new Katana. I know that, what is it, um, Axis has their high modulus carbon mask. Right. Yeah, so, and a lot of it's in materials too. So it's yep. like, okay, well, I got a great foil section, but it's not there with the stiffness. You, you know, the the pump delivery is not there. Well, then you got to dive back into your materials, and I mean, that's a whole nother, like that's yep. where like no limits comes in. You know, they they're sourcing stuff that I, I wouldn't even know how to find, yep. you know, or know how to use it for that matter. And but, I think the carbon that both No Limits <clears throat> and Sadrus are using is so far superior, probably, mm -hmm. to to a lot of the other carbon that they're able to get away with less material. It's mm -hmm. aerospace stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's cool because that's their focus. Yep. Like, they're not building wings. They're building masts. Right. Well, and um, in, in the case of uh, No Limits, and this is cool because in my other job, I've been able to kind of work with them, help them or connect them to, to this other company to do some really, really technical um, development in carbon fiber parts. And so I'm getting to see kind of, I mean, the mast area of their business is the hobby 
Yeah. They're taking all the expertise from making, you know, airplanes and military equipment. So cool. And yeah. then they're just like, yeah, right. we can do this too. Cause apparently the owner is just a huge, was a huge, I think, uh, windsurfer. Cool. Um, so yeah, I think that's really neat. And, and Kyle's doing the same <clears> thing, you know, having worked at, what is it, Boeing and then bringing that's all right. that expertise yeah. across. So yeah, really yeah, cool. Really I, I mass makes such a big difference. I, like, yeah, I've, I've definitely felt some things on some mast where, um, I, I, I mean, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and say it. I, like, I love GoFoil. Um, I had a problem with, uh, with their mast. Like they're, I think he's coming out with a new one. I've heard that was what I'm hearing. Yeah. But I was getting mast spinning. Um, this is two or three years ago now. And it, it took me a while to realize what it was, but it was, it was coming from the mast. Yep. And it was only during certain times, like the highest speed bottom turns where I was really cranking them tight, like that's, and I would just get ruined and I would go back and I'd look at footage. And for the longest time I was thinking I must've breached a tip. No tips were breached, you know? And it's like, this is originating from the mast. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's one of the, that's probably the biggest reason I switched from GoFoil to Takuma because I didn't feel that on the Takuma mast at the time. Yep. And so you're putting a lot a more torque on your foil than most people are. Like the way that I think Mike's doing some of the most radical turns in foiling now and the amount of leverage you're pushing off of your tail, the arc that that mast, I mean, if anyone's going to be venting masts, it's you. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense too. Like you're, it's a foil, it, right? It's a neutral lifting section. Yep. But when you when you put an abrupt angle change on it, you are creating some lower and higher pressure uh, yep. variables on either Flow side. Flow separation. Yeah. So you yeah. you are making. I mean, even though it's a neutral section, you are creating lift depending on how hard you're pivoting and what speed you're going at. And some mass respond to that uh, better than others. You know. Mm -hmm. So, but but then it was. It's like okay, well, I didn't like that about the GoFoil mast, but then I moved to the Takuma mast, which I didn't have that problem with. But then that one was super flexy, whereas the GoFoil was super stiff and delivered power really well. Yep. So it's like you're fighting this, and I think that's where you know No Limit Sagers come in. Well, they're trying to solve both of those problems, and they're fo they're entirely focused on both of those problems, which is awesome. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a very cool world as we start to get, I think v2 v3 coming out of both of those companies mm -hmm. i think things could get really good yeah for sure and and there's such a there's such a an argument for having the best mass that you can ride on multiple setups yeah you know i mean i think that that's i've uh, uh i've been playing with my no limits mast on my lift setup yeah with and, the adapter and yeah with the adapter yep. loving it like yep. had some great runs with that on um earl um one of our hurricane swells where we had a good ground swell and that was cool, man. Being able to, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like that made switch out the one twenty really surfable for me, mm -hmm. like really rippable. I like, and I like the other thing I would say is that seventy eight is my favorite. That's length. what I was about to say too, because that was the big, that was the biggest thing for me. I think so. I'm used to the no limits mast, and then when I was able to bump up from, I think, I think lift is twenty eight five, twenty eight. Right? I think twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. So when I was able to bump up to. 78 centimeters which is where are we at 29 like and a half you, 30 yeah, something like that yeah that little bit of difference man it, it's it's a big difference but then you go up to 83 and now it feels really long to me yeah there's so much delay right i think it depends on the wing you know riding style but 78 is a really good sweet spot 78 80 like the yep. the, the cab the cabrina mast i'm on right now is 80 that's a great and that length. is a really perfect length yep. i'm stoked that they landed on that um Especially like for the thousand, for the eight hundred, that's a I can really lean into that, and one. I can wing on that too, and mm -hmm. downwind on it. Yeah, I like I, if I had to pick a single length of mast, it would be seventy eight or eighty. Yep, I agree, completely yep. agree. Yeah, for wing, winging, especially like it really the benefit to have a longer one. The uh, the katana seventy five is in it. both the katanas are, are amazing masts. The the seventy five is a bit too short for me to do the turns I like to do on the one seventy. Mm -hmm. The one forty, it's great. Right. So well, now you don't have to quite the span. Exactly. Right? You yeah. lose like a little bit of span there. Um, and so we've been towing a lot lately, and and I've kind of landed on seventy five one forty for towing. Yeah. Short fuse, which is interesting for me, but That's, I like yeah, it. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize you were short fuse in the 140. I have been. I need to go back and play with the long fuse because I got to do a lot of tow days on it, and it was laziness, honestly, because I had the 170 set up with the long fuse and the short fuse was right there, and so yeah. I threw it on. And um, I'm finding <laughs> I like a little bit more tail shim 
on the shorter fuse. And maybe that's a towing artifact as well. Just kind of getting that that balance. Um, yeah. Yeah. Having a ski is game changing. Oh man, I know. Having friends that have skis is a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that bay run we did. Oh man, that was nuts. We uh <clears throat> during Nicole, so this last hurricane that came through. Actually, this was like pre-Nicole. It was where the it was day just before like sucking up crazy. <laughs> so the funniest part about the story, and I'm just completely cutting you off right here, but I'm gonna give you the setup, is I called to have the ski dropped in the water oh, that yeah. morning. <laughs> so I call right. it, we, we're keeping it in a marina. It's 150 bucks a month to keep a ski, ski at a marina that's right by the inlet where we want to go tow all the time. It's like the absolute biggest no-brainer. Um, and so I call to have the ski put in and- It's already blowing like 35, right? No, it was like caught. 40 to 50 yeah, when I called. It was ridiculous, yeah. yeah. It was like and solid 35 with gusts 40, yeah, 45 yeah. up. Yeah, it's retarded. And the marina thought it was a prank call. Yeah. And like, wouldn't take me seriously. And like, I had to like go through all this, like verification of who I was and <laughs> before yeah. they would agree to it. And then they tried to talk us out of it when we got there. Yep. Um, that was awesome. That was pretty funny. All right, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, I've done a few sort of runs like that, uh, with my buddy Dave Slimp in St. Augustine, where we're doing like intercoastal downwinds, you know, like not even huge bodies of water, but just when the wind channels, right. And the tide is working against it you can get really proper bumps. So that's what we were hoping for. We we're studying the maps and looking at the direction and when the tide's going out. So yeah, we went up there and, you know, Eric's like, ah, do you think this is a good idea? You know, like- It looked pretty sketchy. It, like everybody was like, what are these guys doing? Like blowing a stiff 40 miles an hour. Yeah. Why would you put a vessel in the water? Yeah. You know? And, um, but yeah, it was fun, man. Like- And it didn't... wasn't really that gnarly at all. It was, no, it wasn't that bad. I mean- As long as you stood up <clears throat> driving upwind. The, I, the great thing about the ski- I feel like is skis fit in between just about everything. So like, you know, the, just the super gnarly wind chops that come through, like a ski can fit in between those wind chops. Whereas a boat, the span, like you're going to like bow straight into, you know, you're going to take waves over the bow and stuff. Whereas a ski, I feel like you can just fit into all those little grooves. And yeah, that was a fun, interesting run though. Yeah. We it, got it, some potential here. I mean, we got to, I feel like we have to study it a little more and dial in the tides. Cause I've, we had some buddies that um, went out on surf skis later that day and they scored. They, we just didn't go to the right spot. We did. I don't, and I think the tide timing was a little off. Yep. I think that's super crucial to have that tide going against the wind. And that's what form it, it basically creates more fetch. Like that's kind of how I look at it. Like yep. if you have tide that's going against the wind, then you're amplifying even though you might only have a mile of fetch, let's say, like if you have the tide going against it, well, that's the equivalent of maybe two miles of fetch. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it increases the wind speed. <clears throat> yeah, and the, and the the steepness of the bumps. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The, yeah, it um, increases apparent wind speed. Yep. yep. And the angle was wrong. Like the day before, it was blowing straight down the river. And then, and Brian actually posted some video of it. And we talked about going, but we thought the next day was going to be so much better. Yeah. And then we went up there and it had switched like, I don't know, 20 or 30 degrees more out of the north. So it was kind of cross shore in the river. It was still fun though. And oh, I'm glad that we got the ski out because if you feel comfortable with the ski out in 40 mile an hour winds, then yep. like, okay, no, you kind of know, you know what you can get away with. You know, it wasn't that, wasn't that bad. Like we can, we can handle it. Yeah. It would just be terrible if something happened and you lost power on yeah, a day like that. Yeah. That would be do a you, tough one. Um, do you keep an anchor on your ski? We have one now, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I meant to ask you that the other day. We did a, a big sidewalk, West but... Marine safety trip. I got a radio on there now. Perfect. Everything. Perfect. Yep. Um, and Damo what actually a had a good... Felt no, no EPIRB. E Maybe I'll yeah, get an EPIRB. Yeah, we're, we're always going to be in, in cell service. You've got your watch. Yeah. Well, and a waterproof radio. Yeah. yeah Marine radio. Fine. You can call, call Coast Guard on 16 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I was stoked that Damo really had fun. He's had some really I feel good like days. He with ended me up lately. having the best runs that yeah, day. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty funny. He was on the 120 and he was hauling. Yep. Well, I think the wind was just keeping him up. He's so light. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool to see for sure. Yeah, skis are a game changer. Um the tow game is man, the the bang for your buck you get in towing. If you want to work on something, like that's mm -hmm. yeah. Like boom, boom, time after time again, like minimal cardio, just yep. like you're getting, you're getting sore because you're cranking so many G's from turns versus like prone surfing. You're, yep. you're sore because you're pumping in between and you're turning, but like, yeah, towing is, it's all time. Yeah. After last Saturday, the Saturday after Nicole 
was one of the better days that I've seen out there. It wasn't big. I was actually, <clears throat> Austin was out there. So it was us and then Austin on the skis It was and his dad, Kirk, who's a legend too. And I got to share a bunch of waves with Austin. And it's so funny riding with Austin now because it's like he's on the water and then he's 10 feet over the water and then he's on the water. And it's like just a whole different thing. What are you doing, man? Do I look up for him or do I look on the water? I don't know. (laughs) Got to check both. Um, But I did so many turns that I had a bruise on like the uh, bone under my big toe from all that back foot pressure holding. I was like coming home. It's kind of awesome. That's a great problem to have. Yeah, it was a good problem to have. Sick. So, we want to dive winging. Let's hit winging. Go ahead. Because I've I've been diving into. I'm I've I got really excited. Um, actually, shout out to Cabrina because they sent me um a five meter to demo. <clears throat> I've been on some V one stuff from Ozone, which has been working for me for a while. But I mean, things have gotten better since. I tried one. your Ozone wing the <laughs> other day. <laughs> things have gotten better since version one Ozone. So um cabrina sent me a five to play with for a while and what a game changer i feel like the cool thing about the five is i feel like i can basically just put down my six which is awesome because mm-hmm. it's it's so stiff I, it's got such good power delivery that i don't really foresee a time where i'm going to be like yeah you know i'd rather be on my v16 than the cabrina five right now no it's always going to be well if i can use my six i can probably just use my five so i get to be in a smaller wing which makes that one meter makes a big difference it's in huge. how the wing feels in your hand, how much of it's in the way or not. Um, yeah, so I've been diving into winging. Been, I don't have, um, if I'm by myself in St. Augustine, I don't have the options for shore runners or downwinders. With, you know, like during the week, my wife's at work. It's like I can't really set up like a shuttle. So I've been taking the wing out, and I will wing myself upwind for like a mile. And then I'll just do a mile long downwinder via wing ripping turns using the wing. If I need it, most of the time I don't really need the wing much if the wind's right. And then I'll turn right back around wing straight back up wind and do it all over again. And it's beautiful. And I end up right where my truck is. So it's, it's incredible. Um, had a session with another local legend that I feel like is underrated. His name's John Dodd. So shout out to John. We went out, um, right before Nicole, when it was blowing like 40 miles an hour, straight out of the north, the surf was giant. Luckily, he's got a kind of a spot that we can tuck in behind some jetties and like have a shot at getting out. Um, it's t- this day, it was still not easy getting out, but we, we made it out. Um, and that was absolutely insane. John Dodd was riding a 2.8 meter Armstrong wing and the 650 Cabrina, and he looked like he had the perfect amount of juice I was on a four That's meter crazy. wing and an 800 Cabrina and I was completely overlit the entire session, but it was really fun still. Um, super overlit if I was going upwind. Anytime I would turn downwind, it was just like total bliss. Like I could crank and speeding downwind with ease. That was such a cool session. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I almost went up there with you guys and, and Brian and I were talking. I mean, this was the day the of day after. Re- I think it was the day right before. Okay, so it was Wednesday. Yeah, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, it was... Um, no, it was Tuesday, because Wednesday is when we downwinded in the bay. That's right, okay. Yeah. But it was absolutely nuking, and the surf was huge. Buoys were like no, 9, ridiculous. 10 feet yeah, at 12, 13 seconds, yeah. something like that. And I'm just like, how am I going to get through a shore break? So somehow Mike gets up there at a time when they got through the shore break, and, and Brian had FOMO. I was like, all right, I'm going... But he went up later. Yeah, and then it did get, it did get sketchy. I got the call from Brian that he basically just got himself worked in the shore break for like forty five minutes. Took ten barrels on the head in a row, and yeah. So I yeah, was... once we were out, it was like we're not going back in that shore. But we weren't playing in that shore break. We were playing offshore, and yeah, we were trying to stay away from that. I mean, that's the thing about wing that I'm not incredibly comfortable with yet is dealing with all of the gear in bigger surf getting in and out yeah i mean a couple times i've just sent my board in i'm like i'm not dealing with this or else you know it's a lot to manage i agree you know Um, and it's it's funny for us here in florida talking about it and the guys in hawaii are winging on like ridiculous stuff but i also feel like they kind of have some sort of channels or something to work with we've just got a beach break that just it just slams all that energy just slams onto the beach and it's always short period energy so it's hard to find areas where you can get out we get wind but every time it's windy it's also gets huge and gnarly yep you get a you get a window of like 
I don't know, six to eight hours Yeah, where it's windy and there's not big surf. Yeah. Which is also, that coincides with the best downwinding conditions we have. Mm -hmm. It's that first, yep. that initial pulse of the wind. That session was insane, though. I've never felt that juiced up on foil. It's like, awesome. It was unbelievable. I had a couple of moments where, <clears throat> I'm, you know, I was just, I was back, the wing was backwinding the whole time. This is an older, um, an older Nash four meter, but it was just, it was just overpowered. I was mm -hmm. de dealing with the backwinding effect. And there was a couple of times I just got pulled. I wasn't strapped. I was riding a smaller board, which was really nice. I'll talk about that in a second, but I just literally would get pulled straight off the board. I've never experienced that on a wing, like not trying to get an air. Like you just <laughs> maybe held the wing a little too high over your head. And then your feet are leaving the board. It's a very, uh, uncomfortable moment. Lots of yard sales, some high speed falls with like bodies bouncing on water. <laughs> but it was incredible though. Man. It was, it was so, and John Dodd's out there absolutely killing it. <clears throat> He's an incredible waterman. He, um, quick, quick thing on John Dodd. Um, in 2005, when I was like 18, I started kiting. Mm -hmm. And I can remember going out to Huguenot and seeing one dude out there by himself on a hard, like nuking offshore wind just crushing it it's and i'm rad. like man like because it's kind of sketchy to kite offshore wind by yourself especially in 2005 we had kites that didn't depower he had had <clears> some <throat> crazy pulley system on his bar and he was just ripping and i was like this guy this guy's <laughs> like next level like you know i remember being really envious of him so it's it's so cool now to like to wing with him and foil with him and think back on that time when i was just getting into kiting and he was out there just doing his thing and like leading in my eyes, like truly leading and, and being like an innovator on his own. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, dude, it, what a, what a rad dude. And it's nice to know guys like him that are willing to send on days like that, that are super sketchy. So yeah, <laughs> not everybody's willing to do that. And I, I, I wasn't, it. I mean, it's nah. Yeah, I get it. So yeah, him and um, him and my buddy Todd Mitchell, we all, we all three made it out and we had, had a great time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it sounded epic. It sounded epic. I, it, the peer pressure that happens around here. <laughs> we should talk about that. It's healthy. Yeah, healthy. it is. The peer pressure is is still in its root designed to further progression. I agree. I agree. But um, yeah, it can be a little a little heavy sometimes. Dude, I love. I've I've had some better wing sessions in the last couple of weeks than anything else. Mm -hmm. Brian and I sent it on a downwinger we've been driving up on these north winds to austin's house which is six miles from from my house and then sending it back and the other day we were like 11 miles on foil just had the absolute brian posted a little clip of it um absolute best time and i've been winging on this downwind board and i just i love it because i can turn the board really good it's almost like a hybrid like sup surf slash downwind board in a way um touches are really easy bounces right back up and the my favorite thing about it is it allows me to downsize wing and foil or wing or foil and so i, I would prefer to be on a little bit bigger board with a smaller wing because it makes the surfing experience so much yeah, better i can see that you know i can in 15 mile an hour winds i can ride a four in the 170, mm -hmm. you know, or, or whatever combination you want to go there. But, but that's nice to get yeah. off the six. I don't like sixes. No, they're always in my way. I know. I agree. That's, and that's why I was so stoked about getting that five. Cause it made me to where I don't have to use the six anymore. I've mm -hmm. also been working on downsizing my wing and foiling. Like when you, I feel like when you first start, it's like, you want to start on a bigger foil, make sure you're going to get up, make yep. sure you're going to, you're not going to be out there just, yeah. Shocker proof, right. Yep. You're trying to shocker proof your session. And, um, but lately I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll take the 1210 out. Okay. Well, I'm gonna take the 980 out. Right. I'm gonna take the 800 Cabrina out. And every time I'm like, why have I not been doing this like yep. earlier? You know, I've been just trying to keep shockproof my sessions, but it's at my own detriment. And I still have fun on, you know, a big wing, like the 1440, but why would I ever want to be on a 1440 if I could potentially make a 1095 or a 980 work, you know, and yep. such a game changer. Um, I apologize for the loud show today, guys. We have construction right in front of us, like right on top of us. There's a 100-foot crane over top of our house right now. Uh, and then we got Atlas, my beagle. 
kind of howling a little bit. So he's special, not optimal. Oh, Atlas is amazing. <laughs> Such a good dude. Um, it's funny. We've had like living in Costa Rica. We always had like kind of dog service dogs for protection. And I trained, um, Belgian shepherds and, and Dutch shepherds. Atlas is not a protector. No, Atlas is a lot. <laughs> it's fun to have the other side of the coin, dude. I yeah. love it. You can meet anybody. Great dog. Yeah. Um, what have you been focused on in your prone surfing lately? Um, you know, I, I, it's funny you say that. I kind of bounce back and forth with focus, which is probably not good, but it's fun for me. So I'll have sessions where I'll go out and I'll be like really focused on super hard foam bashes, super critical, trying to get more vertical, um, more pocket style. And then I'll have sessions where I'll go out and I'll be like, I just want to work on smoothing some stuff out today. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between those two. And that's just kind of my approach. I feel like when you, when I go out and really focus on the aggressive stuff, I learn things and, you know, maybe I was able to do something that, you know, finally landed something I didn't land before. I was able to make something work. And then the next session, it's like, all right, let me see if I can smooth that out a little bit and make it more fluid, make it connect in the rest of the sequence better. You know, mm -hmm. that's kind of been my direction lately. <clears throat> Love it. It shows. Thanks, it man. shows. I've been working on trying to <clears throat> carry speed higher through turns. So finishing turns um, with more angle vertical and then carrying that speed yeah. back through the, the next section of the turn. And um, the 140 has been brilliant. For yeah. That. I was literally thinking about your last clip on that. Yeah. It's been, and it's fun. I mean, I, I'd love to know like how much quicker that is like total speed, but once you build the speed, actually I had a couple moments today on our downwind run where I was kind of feeling something similar where I was carrying lots of speed through yeah. sequences of a couple turns, carrying speed and staying in the like, ideal yep. spots yeah yep. i had some of those moments today you've always been good at that though <clears throat> i've i've kind of messaged with people back and forth on instagram that would you know like ask for tips here and there or something and I, i've referenced you several times because you it's where you do your turns and how you do your turns make it to where you don't have to pump in places where other people have to pump that's been one of my long-term yeah, goals and yeah it's, it's beautiful it's beautiful yeah like it I feel like it almost detracts people a little bit from foiling when they see somebody on a wave and they're they're pumping for a huge part of the wave. If you don't need to do that, then we should like we we want we all want to turn right. right. Like let's use the turn to our advantage and um, build speed through turns and work the work the best of the peak. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's you've always been one of the best at that. I feel like I feel like it's like you don't see it though. Like, it's one of those things that's not impressive in any way, like when you look at it on the surface. Right. You know? Um, but, but as a foiler, like if I'm, and I'm sitting out there in the lineup, like, I, I can appreciate it because I'm seeing how mellow the wave is and how much speed you're carrying. Yeah. It's like the snowboard line thing. Yeah. And yeah. actually, I'm really excited right now because a board that I designed a while ago um, which we're calling the transmedium. At first it was called the groomer, but then groomer took on this whole other connotation. And we didn't <laughs> want to, but it was called that at the beginning because it, uh, it, it was like snowboard type turns. It's like, it's this board that's only 17 wide, but the way that it's built, it, the touch points are even much smaller than that. And it lets you have such high bank angles. And Chris Rasman just got his yesterday first session today about that yeah and so it's like it's kind of full circle for me because like i was really thinking about like snowboard groomer type lines when i designed the transmedium and now one of the world's greatest snowboarders is going to get to test it and i yeah. just can't wait to hear what he says about if if there's any there's if, if the idea was was valid yeah i hope so i think it will be yeah yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited to see how he feels on that one I have to say, man, it's been really fun working with you designing boards. Like, I feel like the partnership that we have is is good. There's enough. What's the way to explain this? To articulate this? There's enough pushback on both of our sides. Mm -hmm. There's no yes men mm -hmm. in in this partnership, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, so I feel like it's like it's making the product a lot better yeah. um, because because we push back so hard. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, it's healthy. It's it's healthy for growth. Right. We you know what we're good at is not 
um, the term groupthink comes to mind, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, you know, I mean, groupthink for those that aren't familiar with the term is basically when you, you know, you're in a group and the group thinks alike and they kind of get uh, biased towards the way they're thinking and become less open-minded. Right. So like what you and I are good at together is not falling into the group think and keeping our, you know, like if we, if we fall into something where we both, that we both like, it's because we genuinely both like it. It's right. not because I want to like it because you like it or you want to like it because I think it like might it. be the opposite of that. It, I, I, on the surface, it might be, I don't want to like it because you and, like it. And, 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 and I that's think fine. It's, I, Cause yeah, that's fine. Because then if you, and, and vice versa, I think. yeah. And then if, if you do, or if I do, it's, it's, it's truly genuine. Right. If yeah. it comes the other way, yeah. then yeah. It's, yeah. You can't beat them. Join it's them. almost like, almost. It's almost like some subtle competitiveness that's healthy. Right. Yeah. 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 It's making everything better, right. I think. Um, and the, they just feel so rock solid. The last transmitter of 19 I'm riding right now came in at 5.1 pounds, which might so be too light. light. So light. Did you do um, – I'll ask you that later. Okay. I was going to ask glassing schedule. Now maybe I'm just, oh, okay. I was trying to remember. Did you go with the lighter one or the or like the more standard? No, it's the standard. Wow. It has to do with some of the other special sauce. Okay. Um, That's right. Yeah. We've got a great guy uh, glassing all the stuff right now, Tucker McGrath. He's also an epic foiler, which is cool. There's another underrated foiler right there. He is. Yeah. He, you know, I've invited him on the show a bunch of times and, and he's a little hesitant. He's going to do it at some point. It'll be great to have Tucker on. We'll get him at some point. Yeah. Next time he's down here. Yeah. I tried. We had a couple beers when he was down here a few weeks ago. I was like, dude, just come on the show. He's like, oh, I would rather just go interview some people and, and have that be the show. I was like, that, that, that doesn't work. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's been it's been really fun um, designing and, and getting that out there. And it's been fun, the feedback that we've been getting from folks, too. Yeah, love that aspect of it, for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, what's going on? Let's. Uh, so this is the 100th show of podcast so much has changed it has like let me ask you this like let's reflect on the podcast a little bit and um i'll say a little bit of what it's done for me but why don't you start on like you know like what what do you think the podcast represents and and what has it been beneficial for for you personally and where do you want to see it go for me um two words that come to mind first are growth and entertainment um, those are both pretty basic, but mm-hmm. I mean, man, I've learned a ton from this podcast. It's opened my mind, you know, listening, like, uh, let's say Dave Kalama, like w- one of my favorite, uh, two of my, two of my favorite shows have been like yep. Dave Kalama like that. Um, that like, let's just, I'll use that one for an example, because that one was both extremely entertaining for me hearing his stories and then also really inspiring and I, it, it causes growth. I learn a lot. It opens my mind up more. I'm, you know, and there's been several guests like that. I use him as an example because that's like the one that sticks out to me the most. But, um, yeah, I mean, I listen to the show and I, it's, it's just creating growth. It's it, it, the, the name is perfect. It's like the progression project. I mean, that's perfect because yeah. that's what it encourages progression for me. Um, so, and through the years, I mean, we're, the show is growing with the sport, you know, as the guests are too. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, the progression project has always been kind of like a moniker. It's kind of how what I've always seen. Like I've always just kind of thought that life is just this work in progress. Right. And when I started the show, it wasn't really going to be about foiling. It was going to be just about um, life and progress and inspirational people and how to stay with like a growth mindset and, and all of that, you know, Anders Ericsson was one of the first guests, Josh Waitskin, one of the first guests, and those guys really embody that. And what I think is beautiful about it, and it was completely organic, is that you know, everything happened with Sarah, and I like took my mind off of the show, didn't do any episodes for almost a year, it just didn't have the bandwidth, and, which is an interesting thing too, just like there was so much going on, I couldn't focus on anything selfish. And I look at the podcast almost like a selfish endeavor, I love it, and I'm glad that people get get a lot out of it, but it's, it's something I love to do, but it's kind of down on the list a little bit. It's like, if everything else is going well, then I have time to spend mental sure. energy on something like this, which is, which is awesome. It's a passion project. It, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, but 
the when it organically moved towards foiling, it was just that I was starting to foil and there was just such a debt of information. There just it wasn't really enough. Was. Yeah, for sure. And so I was like, well, and I had done this with the, the paddle surfing. So I decided to just do it with foiling it was completely selfishly, not even caring if people were going to listen or whatever, but I, <laughs> you I wanted to talk to James Casey yeah. and ask him a bunch of stuff yeah, and, right. and talk to Kane and ask him a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And, Everybody is glad you did, man. Yeah, well, that's what's so cool is that I feel like I've gotten as I've gotten so much out of doing the show, and, and and in two folds. So one is on foiling progression, like it's helped my personal learning, um, my 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 learning curve immensely. But I also find it a really amazing thing to be able to talk to people that inspire you every couple weeks, because. You leave. I always leave those conversations, um, like a Tom Carroll or an Annie Reichert, or I mean, you could go down the list. There's been a hundred episodes now, but I leave the conversations thinking, "Fuck, I'm lazy. I need to get out there and do <laughs> rad stuff." You know, like yeah, sure. Um, and I think that that's awesome, and I hope that that comes across and, and people find that in it too. But I always like listening to um, to shows on my way up here. Like on my way up here today, I finished the Josh Kustro. Uh, he's epic. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Like, and you know, some of that stuff I can really, really relate to, you know, and it's, it's so cool. And then, so for me, it's perfect. Cause I'm listening to a show on the way up and I'm getting extra frothy and fired up about foiling and I'm going to foil. Right. Like, so it's just like this perfect storm of frothiness. <laughs> <clears throat> Who's the frothiest person who's been on the show? Hmm. Uh, maybe bones that's what i was gonna say too that's the first one that came to mind <laughs> the first one that comes to mind for me i mean i think we're all frothy but man that guy's that's that's a high level of froth right there and it's a beautiful level of froth yeah that was one of my favorites yeah that was that was an epic show i'd love to just go foil with that guy yep i feel like you could foil with that guy in really really bad conditions and you'd probably still have fun we're going to maui first week in august if you guys want to go nice yeah that's far enough out. I might be able to pull that off. Yeah. With our job. 20th wedding anniversary and Sarah wants to go to Hawaii. Oh, so. I'd love to crash your wedding yeah. anniversary. Well, no, cool. I mean, it's like, it's not like that. <laughs> Take the whole taking the kids, everything. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Um, who's the most, let's see here, technical? Kane. Some tech, Kane. Kane. Yeah. His understanding of everything is yeah. so deep. Yeah. Especially at the beginning, I learned so much from Kane. For sure. I've, I have literally studied Kane. Like yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, the the video. How the many of you guys out there eyes, have studied? Yeah. Um, all every you know. I wish Kane posts more. I've said that on the show before. I wish to post more because I, man, I'm a like very visual learner. Like I stu I will legitimately study people surfing. You know, I study Kane. I study Bennett's Casey. You know, like all the the top guys you can think about. And I'm I'm watching their lines. I'm watching their body mechanics. And I'm taking it all in, man. Like yep. <laughs> you know, so yeah. That's, um, yeah. What do you draw? Like, all right, let's talk about Adam and Kane right now as two examples of pinnacle prone foil. Yeah. When you look at the two of them, what are you drawing from Adam? What are you drawing from Kane? I think the thing I'm drawing from Adam the most is probably his lines. Mm -hmm. um, I really like the way he draws lines on waves. Like the, you know, even if like, I mean, his turns are incredible. I'm not absolutely not like not ignoring that. Right. But <clears throat> he'll come up from a top turn and where he repositions his next bottom turn and how connected they are is really speaks to me. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, you know, I, I, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I feel like, you know, the, the best waves I have, all the turns are connected in some way or another. Like, and one turn sets up the next turn, which sets up the turn after that. And I feel like when I watch Bennett's foil, there is a more obvious flow and connection between each turn and the positioning of the line. Yep. I've yeah. always thought that the difference between a good surfer and a great surfer or a great surfer and the best surfers is mental and it is the ability to predict what's happening and maximize. Like, there's a crazy good interview with Kelly Slater where he's talking about how he sees waves 
and he was saying that i'm going to bastardize this but essentially he looks at a wave as a series of angles in time and wow. he is seeing the speed and direction changes that he can use from those angles and and linking them up and i like i see that's cool that's a cool thought that, that's kind of the way that i see like doing those turns like and keeping speed yeah it's about like looking for the obviously nowhere but anyways i think that that skill set takes a lifetime to learn and i think adam is arguably one of he is the best surfer to have dedicated a lot of time to foil. Hundred percent, right? Yeah. yeah, you can't argue against that, right? Yeah. And so I just think that <clears throat> that that's that's what's showing. I also think that Adam, and it's super subtle, so it's it's really underrated. I think he has the best pitch control in the game through turns. Yeah, like if you watch board level and all of that, like he's able mm. to really keep a consistent and, altitude and he's foiling waves that have a lot of speed changes and mm -hmm. you know when you drop down the pockets of some of those waves that he, i mean yeah big speed changes which in, inevitably lead to more pitchiness right a lot of the times and he does control that really well i agree yep. yeah what about kane so kane i think <clears throat> i think kane I, I i lately more lean on for how he does it different so let me see if I can articulate that a little better. Like we've talked about how he doesn't necessarily come from a professional surfing yep. background, right? So First he kind principle. of he kind of approaches it it differently and it shows and I like to be reminded of those kind of different options on like really flying the foil and not having, you know, necessarily like the influence of I've been a pro surfer my whole life or right. you know, I shred turns on a shortboard. Like his approach is just different. And because his approach is different, his turns and his body mechanics are different. And they're different in a way that I like them. So I like watching Kane because I feel like it keeps my mind open to other options. I mean, I come from a pretty strong surf background, so I am influenced by that heavily. Yeah. So it's nice watching Kane and stepping back and going, okay, like this, that's different, mm -hmm. you know, but I like it. Yeah. I want to learn it. I want to, like, what is that? Like, what does that feel like? You know, so yep. that's lately, that's, that's what I've been gathering from Kane the most. Kane's style is still the only style that I will go out and be like, today I'm just going to emulate that because mm -hmm. I feel like it brings so much back into my natural way that I foil, which is a little bit more surfy, mm -hmm. but I've been working a lot on, on being more upright and getting the foil out to, to higher bank angles yeah. lately. Um, and every once in a while, I'll go out there and just basically not let myself bend my knees much. Mm -hmm. and see what I can do. And I'm always impressed with what I can do, but then I fall back into what yeah. I do. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it, over time. You know, one, <clears throat> another interesting thing about Kane's riding, it's more efficient as far as muscular involvement, I find. Yeah. Like, you don't fatigue. He's He can do, he can pull off, like, let's say the same turn I'm pulling off, mm -hmm. and the way he's doing it is less, like, energy demanding than the way I'm doing it, you know? Yeah. Just because of the the more uh, straighter posture, like that energy is going more straight through his legs. It's not as much on his muscles as it is yep. like just the structure. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Coming at it from first principles. And, and maybe that's how everyone would foil without surfing. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Although you have to be at a uh, – I have you know, I have to take that back because you have to be at a very high level to be able to put yeah, pitch control you in your hips. <clears throat> and have that narrow of a stance it takes a long it would take a yeah. long time to get there but i yep. think that we would yeah i think that high level foilers that don't come from a strong surfing background will probably end up foiling more like that kiahi not yeah is the most similar out there right. to kane he does have a strong surfing background though too but he's world you know kiter world yeah. world champion and maybe kiter that's and... maybe that's like he comes into it with a more open mind because of all the other disciplines he's involved in right so like maybe and you know, maybe, maybe that's... more neuroplasticity from having mastered all the a multitude of other sports with subtle variations right i mean you got to think that some people who are at that level at such a young age i mean so i can i can look at this as far as damien like my son damo can foil one tenth as much as I foil and still outpace me on the learning curve, which is maddening. I love it. <laughs> I know you do too, but I get I it. I do, but no, it's so fun. It's so fun foiling with him. But just like he 
somehow he was able to map at a young age. He's been surfing since he was like six or seven. He's been able to map at a young age, like all and skate uh, all, all of these movements to a level that I was never, I never had the time to do at that age. I think, yeah. I think that that's the one of the biggest things. Um, just like I think all new pro surfers are going to come out of wave pools and have access to the, the learning young environment's different now. Mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, take skate. I mean, he skates, right? He goes to skates parks and oh, yeah. like he's, he's learning from that. Like when I, I mean, I'm going <clears> to <throat> like date myself and I'm not complaining. It's just the way it was. Like I, I, the nearest skate park to me when I was growing up and really involved in skating was really far away. Like I, it was, it was Kona, Yeah, you know, and I was 50 minutes away from Kona and I didn't get to get up there a lot, nope. but like, there's so much learning that can happen in that environment, you know, and now skate parks are everywhere. I feel like every town's got a skate park somewhere Yep. and that just changes the learning environment. Yep. So right on. Well, let's pick out one more topic and then let's wrap this up. What would be, uh, something we've talked about talking about on the show hmm. let's talk talk about the community of foiling and how much fun it is right now in florida oh man with how it's yeah we're definitely seeing some growth north florida is amazing yeah it's the fo the foil crews are so fun like i've got a little crew in saint in um saint augustine now too and we've got a group chat going and like you know, I, I was so, I, was, I had, I had brought me so much joy a few days ago. Um, I couldn't do a shore runner because I was on shift or something. And, um, and my, my group chat's going off. They're setting up their shore runner and, you know, and like, I take some pride in it because I feel like I kind of like helped those guys like see oh, that light, you know, like, like guys, this is really fun. You should be doing this. And they're just going back and forth, setting up the shore runner, setting up the shuttles. And I'm just like, Every time I'd look at my phone, I'd be smiling. I was so I was just so proud that they're like they're doing it. Like, yeah, man, they're gonna see, they're gonna send it, and it's it's, and the the that group of guys is so fun, and um, I feel like you know, whereas surfing might be different, you could take the foil crew in St. Augustine and the foil crew in Jacks, and we could all get together and we would all absolutely love each other and totally froth on oh, yeah. a session or like the cocoa beach like latham oh, and man. jeremy like that, and yeah like... those guys are so i've gone down there just to yep. surf with those guys before you know i mean it's the the community is so incredibly inviting and and so open-minded and accepting of anybody that wants to get in and so helpful i love how it spans demographics of like demo is the youngest at 13 on up to you know, some guys that are mostly winging, but also sending it prone mm -hmm. that are, you know, I won't date anybody, but a lot older and some, I don't know. It just doesn't, I love that friendships based on passion, like the, the demographics and the, um, like, I don't know, like occupation, it all kind of strips away. It does. The age gaps, it yeah. all, it all just fades. Yeah. And yeah, we're all, I mean, into the same thing the same purpose you got the same joy ceos of huge yeah. companies and you yeah. know like every every walk yeah, of life you got a firefighter i mean it's you know it's, oh, it's yeah. a big difference <laughs> <laughs> you're a lieutenant i think aren't you yeah i'm still you're running I mean, stuff down there dude you know, still yeah uh, it's, 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 it's a difference though i mean a huge career difference and the people that yeah, yeah that's what i was saying yeah yeah it's great and ages yeah i mean it doesn't it all strips away i agree yep. and that's beautiful that is totally beautiful about the sport yep. um and then the, the different aspects of it and everybody the thing actually another thing that i love is that some of like um our buddy greg who is getting into the prone game right now is a, a wind sport legend. And so everybody kind of has their place in the sport where I'm looking for advice from Greg all the time on winging. Right. But then he's coming to me for advice, advice on, on the prone. prone. Yeah. I course. think that's a, a really cool thing yeah. too, where, you know, everybody has like their area. Their strengths within yep. the same sport. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, it's so cool. Well, shoot, man, this has been fun. We got a long send this morning and now recorded a podcast um i'll let you have the the closing words on this 100th Ooh. foiling episode of the progression project it almost feels like pressure 
That's why I did it that way. <laughs> Make um, it good, brother. <laughs> all right. I'm going to keep it pretty simple today, I think, actually. So I just want to encourage the guys out there that are prone foiling and loving it. If you are not diving into the wind aspects of this sport, I mean, downwinding, winging, then you are not doing yourself a favor. I'm absolutely loving the other disciplines of foiling right now. So I just want to encourage those guys to try try and dabble in the wing, try and dabble in some shore runners or some downwinders because when the conditions are not great for prone foiling, it does not mean that you cannot have a total blast still foiling. So I'm all about flight time and I'm going to fly in whatever way the conditions allow for the best. And Lately, I've been absolutely geeking on the wing, the wind aspect, whether it be winging or downwinding. And I think there's a whole nother world there that some of us are starting to see. You know, like I think a couple of years ago, we didn't really think that downwinding here was going to be a thing. Mm -mm. And we just had a great run, like yep. a great run. And I wouldn't really want to prone foil today because it's kind of too windy. Yep. So stay open-minded. It would have been. It would have been a good run. Yeah. Stay open-minded <laughs> and dig into that stuff, guys, if you haven't, because it's um, it's it's just like it's it's like starting over on the excitement of foiling in general because it's it's a different discipline. Yep. And I know that there's price issues getting into the sport. There's so much gear to buy. It's also expensive, but lots of people have been selling and buying gear on the forum. I saw yeah, like true. three or four things trade this week. So check that out forum.progressionproject.com if that's all that ends up being there's a lot of incredible conversation happening there as well but i think that we need a spot to buy and sell used gear so that we can just start trading this stuff and it doesn't have to be so financially cumbersome for us so that's a great way to do it forum.progressionproject.com yeah let's keep building that up agreed so. all right mike thank you brother right on peace This is the Progression Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen.